Now entering the Bitcoin Podcast Network. We've got a sponsor for you this week. This week's episode is sponsored by Status. Status app lets you chat, browse, and transact on the Ethereum blockchain. Take control of your own private secure messaging, use dApps on mobile, and secure your assets. Download the app today where you get your mobile apps or at statusim slash get. That's statusim slash G-E-T. The Bitcoin podcast will also be in the TBP channel of the Status app to give out a little S&T and let you play around with these features and start chatting privately today. Enjoy the show. Welcome to Hashing It Out, a podcast where we talk to the tech innovators behind blockchain infrastructure and decentralized networks. We dive into the weeds to get at why and how people build this technology and the problems they face along the way. Come listen and learn from the best in the business so you can join their ranks. Welcome back to Hashing It Out. As always, I am your host, Dr. Corey Petty, with my trusty co-host at all times, Colin Couchet. Say what's up, everybody, Colin. What's up, everybody, Colin? Oh, I'm going slow on me. Yeah, I had to mix it up. Yeah. Couldn't do that. Dude, you know, you ever think maybe we should get air horns for the show? Uh, No, I have not thought that. And now that you've made me think that, you could, I think like, it's a terrible say, idea. It's- it's our buddy Colin, uh, yeah, my co-host Colin, and I just like, bam, bam, and uh, D, run that D off. D on the on the main show has that like uh, application on his phone that does like the bam, 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 every time. Yeah, that's the one I'm talking about. Got oh, it. he has that. Oh, yeah, dude, he's got it. Get... I'll make a soundboard. We can have that. We uh, need a soundboard. We need we need we need uh, we need a soundboard, and we need things like you know what's it called, Beat Connect, and all that bullshit on there. So let's go. Let's make, make that happen. That's easy. Sweet. So yes. today's episode, we're going to talk about handshake. Uh, at a project that we've been following for quite a long time. And we brought the CEO of Namebase on, Tiashun. Ah, Tiashun Roger? I said it wrong. I knew it wrong. That, was, that was really good. That was the close. second one was. Okay. Uh, yeah. So, welcome to the show. Uh, give us the normal introduction to kind of how you got into the space and um, what you do now. Yeah, totally. So, uh, I'm Tiashun, the CEO and co founder of Namebase. And, uh, you know, quick intro for Namebase. We basically just try to make Handshake really easy to use. So we have a domain registrar and uh, exchange, which is an on-ramp for Handshake. Uh, and basically, if you just, you know, are interested in getting a Handshake name or buying HNS, you can just come on to Namebase and go from zero to HNS, zero to Handshake name uh, very, very quickly. Uh, so that's what we do in a yeah. nutshell. Yeah, the, uh, like, I think the obvious way to make an analogy that everyone... Um, may have some familiarity with, and I know they all have connections to this product as well, is uh, ENS, the Ethereum naming system, right? And DNS. So uh, like the obvious kind of idea here is people, I think most of our listenership understands the concept of the Ethereum naming system, and that is putting human readable names uh, mapped to Ethereum addresses and various other things you can put in in the blockchain through the naming system. Uh, HNS tries to do a similar thing, but expands upon that quite a bit. Can you kind of start to discuss kind of HNS along with like using that analogy to help our our listeners understand what HNS is or Handshake? Yeah, totally. And and I can kind of jump straight to the root analogy, which is uh, DNS, which is really where the inspiration comes from. Uh, It stands for the domain name system. Uh, You know, domain names are like 
you know, google.com, right, which we're using right now. And it maps a human readable name to an IP address, which is what the uh, addresses of servers are. Uh, and then ENS is the Ethereum name service. So it's, uh, you know, mapping human readable names to Ethereum addresses. Uh, Handshake is uh, similar, except it's mainly focused on DNS. So it maps human readable names to uh, domain names. Uh, specifically, it maps them to top level domain names. Uh, TLDs are like .com, .io, .org, et cetera. Uh, and Handshake is specifically trying to uh, decentralize DNS. Uh, and there's a number of benefits uh, and reasons why that's important. Um, but that's really the analogy is, is Handshake is an extension to the existing DNS protocol, is backwards compatible. Uh, and it's basically trying to bring the benefits of decentralization to the domain name system. And you're definitely focusing on top level domains, the .com, .net, .org, so on and so forth. Can you talk about why that needs to be decentralized? Yeah, that's a great question. So it's really interesting because the domain name system already is hierarchical. So you have like, you know, uh, your root and then you have .com, .io and .org. And then obviously you have the subdomains, right? Google.com, you have a sub subdomain meet.google.com. So it's already hierarchical uh, and it's actually relatively de decentralized. Uh, you know, there's multiple different ecosystem players, there's registrars, there's different name servers. It's actually very decentralized already, uh, except for at the root level, uh, which is at the TLD level. Uh, that is completely centralized, is controlled by this organization called the ICANN, which is uh, this like huge bureaucratic organization. Uh, you know, they do a lot of regulatory capture. It was in the news recently because they try to sell uh, .org to uh, the ex ICANN CEO. Uh, they had like a private wow. equity try to buy it out. Um, there's a lot of drama there. Uh, so there's like governance issues there. Uh, there's like rent seeking. Uh, and then the other issue is, is actually in terms of uh, security. So the one of the main goals of Handshake and one of the reasons why it's uh, so different compared to like previous naming projects is that it's uh, specifically trying to improve upon security in the existing uh, domain name system. Uh, right now, when you're using uh, you know HTTPS in your browser and you have that little like lock icon right next to your URL, uh, it's that security is reinforced by the system called a certificate authority. Uh, certificate authorities are basically uh, third parties that your browser will go and trust and basically use as a reference to say, oh, is like meet.google.com, you know, is the certificate that they're using to encrypt the communication with them, is that uh, valid? Uh, and you rely on the certificate authority to uh, verify that information. Uh, and that entire system is uh, basically like not very secure. Uh, and I can go into more details in a second, but at a high level, it's not very secure. And what Handshake does is it basically uh, completely replaces the certificate authority-based system with this uh, distributed root of trust uh, on a blockchain. Uh, and so it improves the security of the existing internet by replacing the root of trust uh, from a certificate authority-based system to the blockchain. Lots to go in here. Uh, Colin, do you have questions before I go? Are you running on a pre-existing consensus network? Uh, yeah, so it's actually a completely new uh, proof of work based chain. Uh, it's very similar to uh, Bitcoin in terms of how the protocol works. Uh, you know, new coins get mined. You know, there's a limit in terms of the total number of them. Uh, you can kind of think of the protocol implementation as kind of like a Bitcoin, but with a covenant system. Uh, the covenant system enables uh, completely decentralized auctions on chain, and that's really what it's used for. Uh, you can spend the UTXOs into different addresses that can you know do different things. Uh, but it's basically just like Bitcoin with covenants to enable uh, fully decentralized name auctions and you know, name handling. Effectively. You, can you describe the, the covenants? Sorry. Mm -hmm. What do you mean by that? Uh, what, yeah, what is covenant system? What is, what is that? Uh, basically, it's like you can, um, it's kind of similar to like co colored coins in a way, but it's basically you have a uh, 
coin or UTXO that can be spent only in a certain way. Uh, so for example, uh, after a uh, auction uh, bidding period ends, you can only then go and reveal your uh, bids. Uh, and then after the reveal, you can then claim the name. And then after you claim the name, then you can submit like updates to go and update the DNS settings. Uh, but it's basically like, you know, th that scripting capability is something that you don't normally get uh, in Bitcoin by default. It's just like very difficult to implement. Uh, and so that's that's effectively what it is, is it allows you to create this kind of like logic on chain to enable the uh, auction system. Uh, I'm, I'm sorry, that actually kind of threw me for a loop for a bit. Can you, so, so Covenant, first of all, is basically a smart contract, it sounds like. And you're trying to, what, like how are people interacting with this logic? I, I don't think I quite follow. Um, the, I'm a user. My user journey is I'm going to try and get a name in the system. Uh, there's an auction process. I'm not sure where that started. Um, what you just take me through the user story here. So I'm a person who wants to get Colin.com or Colin dot, you know, handshake dot HS. Um, and I want to go to your, the handshake chain, which is this larger decentralized uh, protocol that produces a blockchain and mints its own coins using proof of work. Mm -hmm. um, where does the auction come in? And yeah. I'm not sure if I quite followed what you said. I'm sorry if I missed something. I'm just having a hard, hard time tracking that. No, 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 totally. And, you know, I probably should have given more of a transition from the high level uh, goal of Handshake to the specific implementation of how the auction system works. Um, I think probably what would help connect it is, why don't I first just describe at a high level how like name registration and name releases happen on Handshake. Uh, and then we can kind of go into the specific implementation details uh, because, you know, that that's just an implementation detail. Uh, so at a high level, Handshake lets you register uh, TLDs on the blockchain, right? These are top-level domain names, .com, .io. And the way that works is that you can register any TLD on Handshake. There's like a 53-character byte limit, right? But it's like, you know, 26 or what, what, 36 alphanumeric, 36 to the 53, right? It's like basically infinite number of TLDs. And you can register any uh, name uh, on Handshake. Um, but the names are actually uh, released over the course of 52 weeks. So you can bid on uh, any name, except the, the time that you can bid on it, or like the earliest time they can bid on it is determined by effectively, uh, you take the hash of the name and it converts it to a number. And then you, you know, mod 52, the name to convert it into a number from one to 52. Uh, and then you, that's like the earliest week they can bid on it. Um, so that's, uh, that's how the names are released for okay. bidding. Uh, and then once it's released for bidding, then you can start an auction for the name. Uh, you basically just submit your first bid. Uh, and then uh, basically the, the entire chain or anyone can go and submit a bid uh, for that name auction uh, for five days, effectively. Uh, and then after the five days, uh, everyone can reveal their true bid amount because uh, the bids are uh, kind of like masks, uh, masks in terms of the total amount. Uh, and then the winner gets to uh, win the name. Um, so that's at a high level how the name registration works. Uh, and, you know, I'll stop there for you to ask more questions before I kind of dig into the details. Yeah, essentially, why did you need to make it blocked off by some 52? Is that just to, just to spread the load a little better? So when, you know, um, like, you know, you don't have like everybody trying to flood the system at once for all the names, is that basically what's going on there? Or is there a different reasoning? Um, I, I would have to check. I think a lot of a lot of the restrictions for Handshake are due to uh, either like scaling restrictions or technical restrictions, or it's just like DNS legacy stuff. 
uh, like I would need to check if a TLD can actually be longer than like 53 characters. Uh, it might, it might not be, uh, but there, there are some restrictions just around uh, like what basically like how the existing domain name system works. Uh, there's some path dependency there. Um, and, and it was important for Handshake to basically follow the existing specification because uh, otherwise it, it like wouldn't be compatible, right? Like you can't, you wouldn't, you wouldn't be able to use Handshake in your browser, whereas by conforming to the spec, you're able to use it. Oh, um, true, true, true. So maybe I misunderstood something again. Uh, and I thought you said that the auctions uh, were scheduled for a 50, you know, the reason you picked 52 is because they were scheduled to happen in a particular oh, period. Is that. that to spread the load or is that is that more... Yeah, yeah, that's a great question. Sorry, I was I thought you were talking about like the like the 50 no, no, something no, no, character no. limit. Um yeah, so the uh that's actually a really great question. So the uh that release schedule is something that actually gave us a lot of conviction into handshake. Uh basically there is a, a learning lesson from previous attempts. You know, I think like Namecoin was kind of a pioneer in terms of like blockchain-based naming systems. Uh it, the vi the vision was very, very similar. Um, and, and the learning lesson is that uh, the name registration and name distribution is really, really important. Uh, if you have a, a, a name system where uh, anyone can register any name on day one, and let's say like the names were like priced for like a flat fee, for example, right? Uh, what you end up getting is that whales and early adopters come onto the network and they just register all the good names uh, on day one or like within a few weeks of launch. Uh, and that's that's actually what ha what has happened historically with like other previous attempts. And the reason why that you don't want that is because uh, what will happen is you know someone who comes in six months into launch before the naming chain has or the naming system has gained you know sufficient adoption that it already has momentum. Uh, there's basically no reason for that person to go in and invest into that naming system and start using it because they can't get any uh, real estate that's valuable, right? They can't get any you know name that they want. Um, so you really want to prevent these squatters or you want to mitigate squatters from being able to get all the good names. Uh, and Handshake created multiple mechanisms to uh, mitigate that. Uh, so the first is that the names are released over the course of the 52 weeks. So uh, that means that, you know, on day one, you could have bid on, you know, any name, like one over 52 of all the names, right? And each week, a new set of names is available for bidding. Uh, that means that like we're only, you know, a month and a half into the launch. So the majority of the names that you can think of and what you want to bid on uh, aren't available for bidding uh, so that the whales can't just go in and win them. Yeah, I've definitely, I'm watching like 10 names and none of them are available. I'm looking at a, there's a website that was uh, given to me that I've been kind of checking to uh, look at kind of the, the, the history, like history, like histogram plots of bid history on names as they go. And it's, it's pretty, it's pretty interesting. I'll definitely put it in the show notes. It looks like uh, one of the largest bids looks like it went for 10 K HNS with a, you know, a number of quite a number of bids going with it was for dot summary, which happened, I guess, I don't know, within the last day. Or so oh cool yeah we'll have to they i think a new set of names is released like every friday or something like that so uh there there's pretty much like each week there's a new set of like really fun uh names that are coming out um it's really interesting the the auction system is also really important it's a vickery uh auction that's like semi-blind uh basically you can uh submit a bid and you can add a blind to your bid for a total lockup and that's what the uh the blockchain basically sees uh until you reveal it so they just see this like total lockup and the winner is determined by uh, whoever bids the highest and they pay the second highest price. So if you bid, you know, 100 HNS and someone else bid 1000 HNS, 
uh, they would win, but they would only pay 100 HNS. And they're not paying that to any organization. They're not paying that to like Namebase or like a Handshake CEO or something like that. Um, it's actually burned on the network. So those wow. coins get burned and then the, the winner gets to own them. Um, and that's actually really important because that means that names can go for a fair market price. Uh, if you had all the names go for a flat price, then, uh, you know, Wells would just be able to get a lot of the really valuable names without any competition or, you know, Sampras would be able to do that. Whereas now you have like the top name auctions. I think the big ones were like uh, Coin and Zen and Crypto. Uh, on Crypto, there was a 500,000 HNS bid, which at the time was like a $100,000 worth of HNS. Like literally someone spent uh, $100,000 to buy HNS and bid on this name. Uh, and then the second highest bid was like uh, 200,000. So then 200,000 HNS ended up getting burned. Uh, on coin, the highest bid was 200,000 HNS, and then the second highest was 100,000 HNS. So that was, um, you know, 100,000 HNS got burned. Uh, and, and even at the current market prices, which is, you know, uh, you know, after Bitcoin went down, everything went down a little bit. That, that's still uh, like 20 to 40 thousand dollars that was uh, of worth of HNS that was spent on these names. Uh, so that kind of just shows you the importance of the auction mechanic because it actually helps the true market price get bound, and then the the winner they they actually have to pay the true market price for it. Uh, rather than just being first and getting it for a cheap price. So I got, I got. There's a couple, a lot of things that I want to ask. The obvious thing from here, based on what you just talked about, is is, is somewhat about the economics of HNS, right? One, um, I know that there was a a novel distribution uh, mechanism for the initial set of HNS tokens that were released, right? Um, can you talk about that as well as kind of the overall economics, like how, how many tokens get released over time and if there's a max and what that inflation may be, or let's just set like Bitcoin, unless there's a, there's only this amount ever. And from there, you know, we, we assume that the, the meme that will never change. Right. Yeah, totally. Um, great question. So there was a really novel, uh, distribution mechanism. It was basically an airdrop to developers, uh, effectively what it was, was if you had a GitHub account with like over 15 followers uh, and an SSH key, uh, there is actually a mechanism to claim coins, uh, claim an airdrop, uh, completely decentralized, completely on chain, no third parties involved. You can claim these coins uh, and you would get about 4,600 uh, coins, uh, HNS for free. 4,200. Uh, Huh? 4,200 is how much it was. Cause oh, I just, I just it, claimed it, actually, it. Yeah, it, it varies per okay. person for some reason. I don't know why, uh -huh. uh, but some people get 4,200 and other people get like 4,600. Yeah, I got like um, 42, like around, around 4,200. Nice. That's awesome. Yeah. So like, I mean like that's like a significant amount, right? It's like even, even yeah. at the current prices, that's like $800 worth of like literally free money. Um, and we actually created a tool that makes this easy too. It's like namebase.io slash airdrop. And it kind of just shows the instructions. Uh, but this basically goes out to developers. And there's about uh, like 150 to 200,000 developers that are eligible for this. Uh, and the, the reason why that's really important is because uh, with, with something like Handshake, it's so technical, it's like DNS related, you really need a developer adoption uh, in order for it to succeed. And the interesting thing is that we've actually seen it uh, get developer adoption, uh, even from people who aren't into crypto. So there's this uh, Twitter profile, I'll send it to you uh, after this, this guy, uh, Ethan, he's an engineer at Stripe. And they're tweeting like, you know, I'm not into crypto, but like Handshake gives me hope that, uh, you know, we can actually improve the internet. Uh, and then they've been tweeting a lot about Handshake actually. And then they like, in their subtweets, they're like, I'm kind of worried my friends are going to think I'm a crypto shill um, because because he got the airdrop and then he learned about Handshake because of it. And he got super interested uh, because, you know, he's like an engineer and kind of sees the potential there. Um, <laughs> really interesting. Losing my social uh, really status talking about blockchain, but I really like it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like a naughty thing that he's uh, doing, I guess. Um, so there's, there's that aspect, which 
brings in uh, coins. But then in terms of the total cap amount, uh, there is a total cap of, uh, I think it's like 2.04 uh, billion HNS that can ever be mined in total. Uh, but you know, already there's like a, I, I think over a million HNS has already been burned uh, because of these auctions. And so it's uh, like, you know, short term, there's like inflation because of the uh, mining rewards and then the airdrops. But then uh, long term, it, it's like Bitcoin, there's, there's a cap and the cap actually goes down over time because the name auctions uh, burn the coins. All right. So you have two different, so you have a mechanism for inflation, which is going to be block rewards that come in. Um, are there also, I'm assuming, transaction fees for doing the auction? Uh, what, how, how is HNS used outside of just burning for auctions? Yeah, exactly. HNS is used uh, as the minor uh, transaction fees. So, um, you know, you, you just use it as like a normal like, like like standard, coin. standard blockchain stuff. Like, so eventually over time, as the block reward uh, goes down, um, you'll be able to hopefully capture the incentives for, run, for running a miner through transaction fees. Yeah, totally. And th there's a really interesting thing, uh, just to kind of stick within the, uh, you know, like token economics uh, bit of it, uh, which is Handshake is scoped out to be able to support like 50 million TLDs. Like I think there's enough uh, space in the blocks such that 50 million TLDs can be registered at any given time. Uh, and once you own your TLD, you truly own it. So it's like a censorship resistant, private, secure TLD. You control the key, you have it, no one can take it away from you. Uh, but in order to maintain the ownership, you don't need to pay like a renewal fee. Uh, all you just need to do is submit a transaction that proves that you own, uh, you still have access to the private key, right? This prevents people from losing their keys and just burning names forever. Um, and to start with that renewal uh, transaction, the transaction fee for that is like basically zero, right? Like the blocks aren't, uh, uh, the blocks aren't full, like, you know, submit like a small amount and it gets mined, you're fine. Um, but if you uh, actually project out and, you know, Handshake is successful, there's like 50 million, let's say there's like 100 million TLDs that are attempted to be registered. Um, basically, there's only enough space for 50 million TLDs to actually be renewed uh, each year. Uh, what that means is that the uh, lowest, um, the lowest transaction fee uh, effectively becomes whatever that 50 millionth TLD owner becomes willing to pay. Uh, and so the transaction fees could actually become uh, quite high for these uh, miners, uh, depending on how, you know, how valuable once again, these yeah. are. Once, once again, that requires a certain level of, uh, of, of use case. But based on the use case, it seems reasonable. Uh, I mean, well, it's more reasonable than saying it's a global money, right? This is, this is something that people use, people need, people want in terms of mapping uh, personalized human readable things to computers. Uh, the next question that I have in terms of usability and um, adoption is why is my how is my web browser going to find or, or resolve this type of thing? Because right now when I when I map to like literally is it mapping to an IP address? Is it exactly a copy of the DNS system? Uh, obviously this is a top level domain, but then once I have that top level domain, what does that mean? So like if you if you if you look at I mean you know how root DNS servers work so you have you go to the DNS server it tells you who the root owner of that that top level domain is and then they're the ones who kind of tell you what exists under it so clearly there's got to be a, a secondary system to complement these top level domains in order for them to have values so what does that look like yeah, that's a great question. And I can go in, in order and, and get those two questions out of the way. So uh, first is, how do you use it as a developer, right? What does this TLD actually you know, do? And uh, yeah, you're, you're totally right. Handshake is basically completely compatible with the existing DNS system. So uh, they, they took many steps to actually make sure that it was compatible. One is that all the existing TLDs are pre-registered on Handshake. So when you're using Handshake to resolve your DNS, 
uh, all your normal like .coms and .ios and stuff, that'll work. So your internet experience doesn't change. Uh, it's just that you'll get access to the additional handshake TLDs as well. So you basically just get access to this like new marginal internet. Um, and then how you use it is uh, TLDs on Handshake are just like TLDs on um, the normal web and that they're uh, referral only. Uh, what that means is that on the root name, you can have a uh, NS record or a DS record or a text record, uh, but you can't have like A name records or C name records and stuff like that. And the way that you actually set those uh, you know, normal records that you would expect for like subdomains and whatnot is you have to point your name to a name server. Uh, so you point your root TLD on Handshake to a name server, uh, and then you can just go and add records to the name server. And then you you can not only uh, set a domain directly on the root itself, uh, right? You can point, like, let's say you had a coin, right? Or, uh, you know, you have like Handshake slash, right? You can just go to Handshake slash in your browser and that resolves, but they can also have the subdomains uh, and you would do that through the name server. Uh, and that's actually something that's like, it's pretty obscure, right? Like most developers don't have to touch, like everyone in the, on the internet uses DNS every day. Like that's the crazy thing about this is like so few people actually think about it, but like literally every internet user uses DNS. That's what they think about day. when they think about the internet. They think about DNS basically. Most yeah, people. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Uh, but like in terms of the actual implementation, very few people like devs are like using or thinking about it. So it's like kind of obscure to be running your own name server and whatnot. Uh, so that's something that we actually do at Namebase as well. We're launching uh, literally this week. Uh, we're deploying name servers for anyone who registers a name uh, through Namebase. And then so then it's like, you know, that name server gets configured automatically and you can basically just use your name like you would in an interface like Cloudflare's DNS panel or, you know, the GoDaddy DNS panel. Um, so that's actually how you end up using it. And then, of course, you can also run your own name server and point it to that. Um, but, but that's the, the uh, developer user experience. Let's talk to you a little bit about our sponsor of the show this week, Status. And today I want to call out uh, the many listeners who are building dApps on Ethereum to tell you how to get your dApp in the hands of all the Status app users. Status app itself is a mobile web three, lets you chat, browse, and transact. There's a lot of cool things about the Status app. Right now, let's talk about the Dapp Explorer. Status app uses DAP.PS, that's referred to as dApps, as an on-ramp to use Ethereum dApps on mobile. Maybe you've heard about DeFi, want to check out KyberSwap or DeFi Zap. We'll get some SNT and F, load it up in your status wallet, and use dapp.ps, DAP.PS, to get DeFi on mobile. Take your decentralized permissionless finance with you. Already we're seeing tons of excitement around mobile dApps in Web3. If you've got a dApp, head to dap.ps, check it out, follow the instructions for staking, and get your dApp ranked and featured, or email stake at dap.ps for more information. What's really neat about the Status App Dapp Explorer is that it automatically creates a social channel for your dApp. So you've got a place where Status App users can find and use your dApp but also you've got the built-in private and secure chat functionality to build a community, do Q&A, FAQ, support, or even meme building. What's that you say? You're not a dApp developer? Why not? Status has a suite of developer tools to get you started building, testing, and deploying Web3 dApps with Embark.io. You know, you see projects that raised a bunch of money in their ICO in 2017, and then nothing. Some crappy wallet, maybe some marketing partnerships, but Status is shipping consumer products dev tools, and fixing Ethereum, and basic peer-to-peer -peer networking and communication protocols. The team is legit. I'm on it. Decentralized and open source. Check out everything they're up to at thestatusnetwork.com or start with the status app at statusim slash git. That's status.im slash get. Back to the show. Yeah, I got a... So I, I remember uh, Stephen Mackey telling me about this because he's definitely involved with, with HNS and has been for quite a while. And I, I, I run what's called a pie hole 
on my local network, which basically is my local DNS resolver, which then filters for all of the potential adware, malware, so on and so forth, takes it out, uh, and then only resolves the stuff that I want. And then that then points to, like, I think it's Cloudflare, right? Cloudflare name servers, which then actually tells me the IP address I want. Uh, yeah. It seems as though uh, if I want to resolve something in my browser, I'm going to need to do something similar or rely on a service like yours, uh, like uh, from like a, a very end user perspective. Like the, the the normal browsers don't understand how, where to go, where to where to ask the question of um, I want to go to Corey Petty. What IP yeah. address thing is that? How, how how does someone set that up, and how do you see that kind of progressing along the way to where the average user doesn't need to give a shit. They can just use the internet quote unquote and resolve to whatever the hell they put in their browser. Right. Because what I, what I currently do is I do 8.8.8.8. That's Google's. Uh, yeah. yeah. To do Google's cause they just get a better service than whatever naturally I'm on. And so I just use their DNS. And so I figured like an analogous system would have to exist for what we're doing, what you're doing here to enable people to engage with it, at least at this juncture until but like, you know, until people like Google, for instance, actually use this Cloud handshake player, protocol Google, as yeah. their yeah, as their primary DNS, which is of course probably the ultimate goal. Um, assuming they don't adopt it and make their own version. But yeah, um <laughs> which you know would make a lot of sense for them. Um, but uh yeah, like I, I would think you would need to point it to a DNS server of some type. So is Namebase hosting that? Yeah, you're you're exactly right there. So the the great thing is that the user, the end user experience, like in terms of resolving handshake names, is literally the same as using an existing uh, DNS resolver. So instead of pointing to you know 1.1 or 8.8 or using your PyHole, you can just point your uh, local DNS resolver on your computer or your router to a handshake compatible resolver. Uh, and there's actually already a great, and you can run that resolver yourself, of course, too. Uh, the cool thing is handshake actually comes with a light client. It's like this trustless uh, piece of software, it takes only 10 megabytes of memory to run, virtually zero CPU, and it can trustlessly resolve these names. Uh, and you can run that if you need to, because then it's like, okay, that that resolver like literally can't be shut down. It just connects to the blockchain. It can be your local DNS resolver. Uh, but then you can also use like a third-party resolver. And uh, there's a great company called NextDNS.io. It's a uh, privacy-focused DNS resolver, uh, alternative to Cloudflare and Google. It was founded by the uh, Daily Motion founders, uh, and they're supporting Handshake. Uh, and they're actually integrating it right now, and I and I think it should be live like this week actually. Um, so that's literally just how you use it. You just point your DNS resolver to a Handshake resolver, like like NextDNS.io. NextDNS looks you... like a third-party piehole. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, nice. it's like a Cloudflare alternative. You know, it's probably. Yeah. Uh, or like Google alternative, right? Like Google's, their their main business model is advertising. So uh, if you actually do care about privacy or you don't want your ISPs to spy on your data, uh, you know, you use a resolver. Google is still going to be fa like really fast, but then your know, next DNS, they have uh, servers all across the world. They have an AnyCast network. Uh, they're very privacy centric. Um, so it's, it's just like a very good, uh, it's like one, it's like literally a better DNS resolver in general, but it also supports Handshake. Uh, and the cool thing is, you know, we already know that users do this, right? We know that millions of people around the world go and change their DNS settings, just like YouTube have. Um, and then the the pitch to them is like, hey, just like literally do like what you already know how to do. It takes 30 seconds, point your DNS to a Handshake compatible resolver. Uh, and then you just get access to the, to the new free internet that Handshake is creating. So this is pretty smart. It's really thin. It uses <laughs> existing things already. I don't generally like things. Um, I hide it pretty well. But I like this a lot. Um, Colin's a contrarian really, by by heart. I'm not a contrarian. What are you talking? Whoops, whoops. 
<laughs> Whoops, you caught me. Um, <laughs> no, I, I, I generally, there's a lot of things I'm super skeptical of. I try and give the benefit of the doubt whenever possible, but this I think could fly. Um, the, the, there's two, there's, there's, well, there's one real big thing that's, that's concerning me on this model right now, and that's the dominance of ICANN um, and government and government intervention, loving it. And <laughs> like, you know, governments love the fact they can shut down a domain. They cannot shut down a domain on handshake. Um, which is the reason why people, people will use it. Um, uh, but at the same time, uh, I could see that being something that they could, I mean, uh, there's nothing stopping them from making using handshake illegal. Um, you know, and there are probably are ways to detect this kind of traffic. Is that even a concern of yours? Now that's, that's one question I know I have actually two, and that's if I can, if I can squats on top level domains on the handshake network in order to attack it, is there a way to mitigate that as well? Meaning that these are already being auctioned and then ICANN goes, oh, well, I'm going to look at all the ones you auctioned and then I'm going to auction them to our private buyers. And now we have a conflict. So these kind of things come up in my mind when I hear this. What 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 is the thought process of the overall world and the way it currently works, and how you could kind of migrate to that sort of you know to a um, you make the two kind of meet together so that we we live in a world where I think everybody's a little happy with this yeah whatever. Yeah, totally. That's that's a great question. So I think at a high level, the two questions are you know what. What do you do in the case of uh, regulatory intervention? And then also, uh, you know, how do you basically uh, protect against whales just squatting all the good names? No, no, actually, that's a, that's not what I said for the second question. But go ahead and answer the first one first. I'll do the second one later. I'm sorry about mm -hmm. that. Okay. Um, okay, cool. So basically for the for the regulatory aspect, I mean, it's a very similar position to uh, Bitcoin, right? It's like all, all of this exists within the existing regulatory framework. Um, the great thing is that uh, you know, names are uh, much less regulated than something like uh, coin and currency, uh, right? Like, you know, typically like gov like governments really cared when Facebook made like Libra because they're like, okay, this is like, you know, that's that's one of their main sources of power. Uh, names is not something that is, you know, as heavily regulated. Um, and, but then the, the interesting thing is like, okay, would you be able to do something like detect the traffic and, uh, you know, basically try to like censor it that way? Um, I... I wasn't as involved on the signal front. Our CTO was probably more involved there, but uh, basically there are uh, encryption mechanisms that you can have so that the full nodes communicating to each other. Like normally, like it's actually not that hard to kind of detect like uh, like traffic that has like private keys in it or like uh, public SSH keys and whatnot. Um, and Handshake was actually uh, using, using this new encryption technology that basically made it very, very difficult to detect that type of traffic. I don't know what the status of that is. It was either merged in or he was pushed off for later. Um, but that kind of like sophisticated type of attack is uh, it's like it's that's like a really sophisticated attack. Like that is like not something that is within the realm of what uh, like if you look at how governments typically censor the Internet today, uh, you have China that has like really advanced censorship, right? They have the Great Firewall. They have DNS censorship. They have IP based filtering. They have packet filtering. Uh, they have like really crazy shit. But if you look at what like pretty much every government around the world uses, they just use DNS censorship. They just go to their ISP and they're like block google.com. Uh, and that's why a lot of these uh, DNS resolvers actually, alternative ones like Google's and uh, Cloudflare's, they get a lot of usage in these other countries because people are just like switching over to them. 
you know, in Turkey, they're spray painting 1.1.1.1 on walls as a way to kind of get around that DNS censorship when uh, Erdogan was trying to uh, censor Twitter.com. Uh, and eventually these centralized resolvers, they have to comply, they have to start censoring the names or they get caught or they just got shut down, right? Like, you know, Cloudflare's DNS is, is literally just a, a single IP address and Google's as well. So it's like easier to shut down. Um, but the cool thing is Handshake can fit into that and basically just be a very difficult to censor uh, alternative to these. That's a, in an existing use case. Um, the end the end vision is uh, uh, effectively what you end up getting is there's uh, Handshake can increase the cost of censorship. Uh, with any of these things, it's, you know, censorship or security, uh, people often talk about it in terms of like a binary, right? Like, is it unstoppable or whatever? Uh, like nothing, nothing in terms of uh, security or censorship is ever a binary. It's always a spectrum and it's a cost, right? You can, you can break any encryption if you want, if you had, uh, you know, enough resources or, you know, enough guns or whatever. Um, so uh, effectively what Handshake is aiming to do is increases the cost of censorship enough such that uh, people have access to this, you know, in practice, people have access to this free internet that is very difficult to shut down. Um, you know, maybe the government could put in a lot of policies that like regulate it or whatnot, uh, but that, that's just like a very high cost, right? So you have to kind of look at, you know, what, what is likely to happen given the, uh, you know, existing actions that people have taken given what governments typically care about and prioritize. Uh, so I think it's, it's very unlikely that, uh, you know, the handshake is something that governments pay attention to enough to try to like regulate uh, for a very long time. Yeah, and you that would be classified as a good problem if they get to that point where they're noticeable and they can't do like what they did to was it Poker Stars or I think it was PokerStars.com was the one that, or maybe it's .net was the one those government seized you know the government literally seized the domain name in order to take down the the the, the system um, and that's you know government domain name seizures are not uncommon at least I've seen it a couple times. Um, so, I mean, uh, I, I do think that they're going to be concerned. And if they get, if you get to the point where they become concerned, that's really awesome. That means it's working. And uh, that means, you know, um, you know, it'll really put the clever things to the test. So I think it's cool. The other question I had was, um, so uh, the ICANN decides who has a top level domain or what top level domains will go up right now. So let's say Corey, given the example he had earlier, he wants to do Corey.petty and he wins that auction on Handshake and it doesn't exist in ICANN. And then ICANN sees this and goes, well, look, we're really ah. sick of what these guys are doing. So mm -hmm. what we're going to do is we're going to put Petty up. And now we have a naming conflict between Corey.petty on the global domain system that currently exists and the Handshake domain system that exists. And now, so how do we plan on rectifying that situation? Yeah, that's a that's a great question. Um, so uh, first, I just kind of explain a little bit about how I can currently registers new TLDs. Uh, it's basically called a program called the uh, generic TLD program, the GTLD program, um, and uh, you know that's where you get all these new TLDs that you have saw in the past, right? Initially, you had like .com, .net, and then now we have uh, a few hundred more. Um, the interesting thing is that uh, that was a program that was running, but it's not currently running anymore. So there are no new TLDs being registered uh, by ICANN at the moment. And we've talked with people who are, were involved with that program, uh, and it's not expected to kind of start up again for another two, three years. Um, you know, one of the reasons why I just, ICANN in general is just like big bureaucratic organization. They kind of move at this pace of a big bureaucratic organization. And it's also, uh, they, they basically just have like a lot of red tape around registering new names, uh, even though they're like super incentivized to do it because um, they actually charge uh, a $200,000 application fee on top of the actual uh, auction for new TLDs uh, themselves uh, for any new TLD to be, to be registered. And even though it's like a nonprofit, they literally made like hundreds of millions of dollars like off the application fees alone. 
And, it, and it's pretty wild. It's like, there's a lot of corruption there. If you look on Glassdoor, you can kind of read some of the reviews about the uh, ICANN executive team. It's uh, it, it's it's a trip. It's pretty wild because uh, this is something that is like literally the entire world is relying on, and the organization in charge of it is just like not a model organization at all. Uh, but ba basically, uh, the point here is that that does not become a problem for like two to three years, and then even when they do end up doing it again, uh, historically they've only ever registered 500 new GTLDs uh, a year. So that's kind of like the the realm of the conflict that you're looking at is like not for a few years, and then 500 GTLDs per year. Um, you know, my, my bet is this stuff happens so quickly, right? Like Ethereum only launched like, what, five years ago. Uh, my bet is that Handshake can grow big enough that at that point, people will just, you get to choose, right? You get to choose what takes priority and people will just be choosing Handshake at that point. Um, I think within a year from now, because we're, we're having those resolvers like NextDNS come up, we have uh, deployment solutions like Zite, and I can talk about that in a bit, coming live as well. Um, I think that a year from now, uh, the majority of people using Handshake won't even know that it's backed by a blockchain. They'll just be like, oh, okay, there's this like new internet system. Uh, you know, maybe their friends just install it on their computer or something like that. That's how a lot of these existing DNS resolvers get adoption. It's like you just like add it to your mom's computer when you're at home. Um, and, and I really do think the majority of people will be using it, won't even know that it is a blockchain. Uh, so I think when there are conflicts, uh, the, the bet is effectively Handshake will be, be big enough that one is a community decision anyway, but also be big enough that like no one will want to like use the ICANN system because you, it's just a setting they get to control on your computer. Uh, and typically, it's like why would you ever want to use any of these you know random GTLDs that ICANN adds anyway? Right, right. It's a really interesting so choice. Like it's one of those situations where like you may end up like say for instance in this future where you have this discrepancy and people have to choose which naming service they want to use. Who are they? Who, who's who's going to use it? Like, who's going to choose the one that doesn't give privacy, especially in, in today's climate and the rate at which the you know general community is understanding data ownership, privacy, and security? Um, it's just I, I find it interesting that it, given that scenario, if that were to happen, you're going to have this choice where people kind of understand the implications of the naming system that they use on the internet, which is something that people just, they just assume, they don't even know what DNS is, period. It, it, most people don't even understand that they can register their own within a few seconds for like a dollar a year. Uh, and so like, I, 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 I hope that happens in that in which we have uh, this kind of weird society where like, oh yeah, you need to be using a HNS, HNS enabled uh, domain name systems. So change your router to this. Yeah. When people start doing unique services, it can only be done through a handshake system. That's yeah, it's like it's Onion, like you know, like it's like it's like Tor, right? If you oh, you want to use that service, well, you got to go through Tor. So, uh, why did you pick your to make your own blockchain? Um, and the reason I ask is because there's a lot that goes into developing any sort of consensus-based uh, decentralized system. Uh, building or I, I know that you are name-based, and I don't know what your relationship is with Handshake, but maybe you can answer this question. Um, anyway, um, why is Handshake on its own blockchain when, you know, ENS exists on, on Ethereum, uh, it inherits the Ethereum security model, which has been a lot more battle tested than whatever Handshake's currently using, I would, I would assume. Um, or maybe not, maybe they're using something that's already been battle tested and they just copy pasted, which is normal. Mm -hmm. Um, the, 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 the question is now like, you know, unless you have a lot of value in the network, you're, you're still, sorry, not value power in the network. 
you're still, you know, worried about things like, you know, is it ASIC resistant? Um, you know, if it's a GPU based system, it's like, hey, how would we prevent like 51% attacks? Yada, yada, yada. There's a lot of security concerns which come with uh, running your own network. Um, and for a network that has such a very niche use case, I have to wonder why um, someone would choose to embed that niche in, in not choose to not choose to embed that niche in an existing battle-hardened network? Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, and yeah, you're totally right there. Uh, first of all, like we're building Namebase on top of Handshake. So we didn't we didn't actually create uh, Handshake um, and we're just completely building on top of that. And we're, we're basically quick, just very- Real quick, uh, I, I kind of think about Namebase as like the Coinbase of, of Handshake. Ah, uh, okay. Yeah, basically GoDaddy plus Coinbase. And yeah, that's like, okay. that, that's basically exactly what our company is. <laughs> Sorry, Mr. Lubin, didn't mean to ask a question that was outside of your purview, but I'm still kind of curious what their thought process was there. <laughs> yeah, totally. Um, and, and there's a really uh, good reason for this is, first of all, uh, a lot of the developers um, behind uh, Handshake initially, they created Bitcoin, which was the uh, uh, basically the only JavaScript full node implementation of Bitcoin that's ever mined a block. Uh, and so there's they're they're very experienced with uh, Bitcoin and Bitcoin, um, and basically they just extended that existing Bitcoin code. It originally started as a fork of uh, Bitcoin. Actually, if, I think if you look on the GitHub, um, it might literally be a uh, oh no, it, it doesn't show. It's, it's, a made, fork, but it's, it's made by JJ, so it's Bitcoin. I mean, it's it's yeah, exactly. So uh, these are like these these guys are experts. So they're like very they, like if there's anyone to implement it, it's uh, probably a JJ. Who was the main developer behind uh, Bitcoin? There's actually like a whole Bitcoin team now, and a lot of them have contributed, and there's like other contributors as well. Um, but that was the initial team behind it. Uh, but then, if you look at uh, there were a few specific requirements that Handshake needed in order to be able to uh, fulfill the DNS use case. Um, there is a first, you want a certain level of uh, scalability. Uh, I think it's something like six or eight transactions per second. Uh, it's basically like Bitcoins, uh, like scalability can perfectly fit for the DNS use case because there's only ever like, you know, 50 million names is uh, a lot of names, but it's like not a crazy amount of names, right? It's not like uh, Bitcoin where it's like, you know, using it as a currency system, you have tons of transactions per second. That's what you have in a currency system. You don't need that in a naming system. So the existing scalability was actually sufficient there. Um, and then the other aspect was uh, there are certain data structures and proofs that they needed to be able to do that they could do with, uh, HSD, which is the, the uh, full node implementation for uh, Handshake is the reference implementation uh, that they couldn't really do on Ethereum. Uh, I think the main one was there is a uh, light client um, uh, light client proof that you basically needed to be able to do to have a light client DNS resolver. Uh, and that's really important because without a light DNS resolver, right? This is the client that I mentioned that takes only 10 megabytes of memory to, memory to run and like virtually zero CPU. You can embed that anywhere. You can put it into a browser. You can put it into an app even into an embedded device. Uh, without that, then basically you need everyone to be running full nodes in order to run uh, resolvers for Handshake. It's either you run a full node or use a third-party resolver. Um, and that type of scenario is basically unacceptable because we already know uh, from history that people don't run full nodes, right? It's like a very niche thing. Um, so effectively what would happen in that case is that everyone is just using a third-party resolver. Uh, and then maybe there's like more third-party resolvers that are on the market, but effectively what would happen is the same thing that we see with the existing market, which is that there's like, you know, there's like a handful of ones that everyone uses. Um, and, and then you, you basically just kind of defeat the purpose of the censorship resistance aspect of it. Uh, with with HNSD though, because it can make those certain light client proofs, 
and I need to double check to, for the specific ones, but um, basically because it can do that, now you can have this light client that uh, browsers can just integrate directly into their uh, application. Uh, and then the really cool thing is, so that's really the end goal, right? Like the cool thing with Handshake and the, the only reason why it can succeed is because it can get this bottoms up adoption. You can have individuals like yourselves point your DNS resolver to Handshake and you know just go and tell your friends to do it and it's like easy enough. Uh, you can get enough momentum that way. But then you wanna take that and go to the resolvers, uh, sorry, the browsers, browsers and get top-down adoption, get them to integrate it directly into the browser uh, because then you can actually get them to uh, implement TLS using Handshake as a root of trust instead of certificate authorities. And then it's like literally a more secure browsing experience because uh, the CA-based system is like a one of many system, whereas like if like literally one CA out of thousands of CAs at your computer trust gets compromised, your TLS, your HTTPS traffic get, can get compromised. Uh, whereas with Handshake, it's like, you know, the entire block blockchain would need to be compromised in order to do that. Uh, so it's a, it's a better security model. Uh, and it's something that is feasible for browsers to do. Whereas otherwise, you know, there's a way that a browser would just like install a full node uh, right. on the installation and then like, you know, download whatever, however many gigabytes of uh, uh, storage was needed for that. Um, so so I, I think that's brave right now then, huh? huh? Who's talking to brave then? Yeah, so uh, Brave is currently evaluating it. Um, uh, Opera as as well. Uh, these are super uh, early initial uh, conversations, so like wouldn't take that as like oh they're doing it or anything like that. Like want to set the expectations, um, but those are probably going to be the initial ones. The cool thing is we've also spoken with um, the uh, head of uh, security at Google Cloud, who also managed the uh, Google Chrome certificates business. And the really interesting thing there is that. Um, they actually care about this stuff as well. If you think about from Google's incentive, right? Like they don't like basically the trend of what's happening on the internet is that the internet is uh, getting physical borders installed in place. Uh, governments are getting better at censoring the internet. Um, you know, previously, I think one of the U.S. presidents made a quote where it was like, "China trying to control the internet is like trying to pin Jello to the wall." Uh, turns out, China was China was able to pin Jello to the wall, and they're actually exporting that system to other countries now. They're running training work workshops. Uh, other countries are now controlling the internet more and more. Um, and that's just like the, the trend of where things are going. And that's really bad for the internet, uh, right? It's like we kind of, I kind of grew up in a world in which I kind of assumed that the internet is like inherently this global democratic thing that just like can't be shut down, uh, but it, it very much can uh, be controlled. Uh, and that's kind of the state of things within the next 10 years if we don't do something about it. Uh, and so Handshake can actually provide a mechanism for the people to do something about it and make a very difficult system to put borders around. Um, and you know that's, that, that's better for all the, the internet companies uh, that rely on that kind of global traffic. Uh, and so there's, you know, obviously Google's, Google's like a very long-term play, right? That's, that, that is gonna take a while, uh, but it's, it's, within, it's within their incentive model to actually go and adopt something like Handshake. So uh, I wanna bring it back to, first off, I agree with everything you just said. That was like, that's, 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 the, that's the internet we want. And, and um, we're definitely, and, and the, this, the trends at a nation state level are not the ones we want if, we, if, if anyone holds security and privacy anywhere near their priorities. Uh, and so things like this help push it back in the right direction as, as, as I see it. But uh, I do worry about the, the weight of the blockchain itself. And I understand that you said there are like, like you have light clients and the ability to make proofs, like good proofs, um, which enable those light clients to remain trustless. But um, if I look at the way that uh, Ethereum has moved on and light clients within Bitcoin as they currently stand, what you have is the ability to make light clients 
trustlessly request information from uh, full nodes, but an increasingly difficult time running and maintaining full nodes. And so unless that proof system is somewhat variable, what you end up with in a long term in, 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 in a long tail future is uh, very few people with the correct know-how, experience, knowledge, resources, et cetera, to be able to run a full node and a tremendous amount of people demanding information from them because they can't sync the full thing themselves. Uh, do you, like, you may not know that much about that, but do you know, can, can you can you speak to any of that? And, I, and that's part of kind of what the mainstay of Ethereum 2.0 is and what stateless clients are trying to work within the Ethereum system is the ability to do what you need to do based on the resources that you have to balance the overall load of validating all available information of the blockchain and not relegating all of the work to very small people and everyone requesting things from them. How does that work within Handshake? Because with something so important as uh, the naming system of the internet, uh, you want to make sure that you're not relying on a very small people over like over time, right? Say it becomes incredibly popular, and in in the in the era where it's incredibly popular, if things aren't designed correctly now, then you have a lot of people who get really good proofs that information is good, but they're relying on a very small number of people to get those proofs. Yeah, that's a great question. That's, that's a really interesting uh, point. You know, I, I would say I'm probably not the best person to answer this question, um, but I can. I can just say kind of what my gut reaction to that would be, which is um, like the model is, is very similar to Bitcoin. And so to the extent that people are running uh, full nodes for Bitcoin, I think people will be running full nodes for Handshake. And then you can say, okay, you know what? Actually, like people aren't running enough full nodes for Bitcoin either. Um, and then if, if that is the case. It's yeah, still, then, still and, the best out there. <laughs> yeah. So in, in that case, then it's like, okay, I think this is probably just a uh, systemic uh, problem that uh, pretty much the entire crypto community uh, is probably going to be thinking about and trying to solve. Um, I, I don't know necessarily what the solution would be to that or or what the extent of or magnitude uh, of the issue would be. Um, but but it, it doesn't it doesn't seem like an intractable problem. Uh, like I, I feel like of all of the things that I'm mainly worried about for handshake, I'm not really as worried about that uh, long term case because I, I think there would be enough sufficient developments at that point or enough incentives for people to run these full nodes that uh, it, it it would be it would be something that uh, resolves itself. Um, but we'll see. Yeah, I don't think it's that big of a deal. I mean, who needs that much evidence? That's what it winds up being in reality, is that the, the reason that a lot of people don't run full nodes is because it's really just an evidence trail. And you don't really need to maintain that much history about who spent three cents worth of, you know, HS tokens, whatever they are, um, on, um, uh, on, you know, a, a transaction to send to their friend or whatever. Like, you don't need to keep this data around. What we care about is the current UTXO set. What we care about is the current state of the database with regard to who owns what. What we care about is the auction system and when things are going to be actually put up for sale and what goes on in those sales and what those sales look like or auction bids look like. All that information can eventually even be cold anyway because you don't need to keep bids that don't stick around. If the bids are posted and they're not correct, who cares a year from now? Who really cares? This is totally prunable yeah, data. You're right. It's and I prunable. think you have too much hoarding going on in the blockchain space. Um, there are people who will hoard for us. We are eternally grateful to them because they will always be able to prove all the way up the chain that they that the current state is correct. And for them, they deserve a Nobel Prize in, in crypto anarchy. But 
uh, I don't think that is a real valid concern in the space. I just okay. don't. Well, I guess in that light, uh, you said it's not in your top list of things you're worried about with Handshake. What is that top list? Do you have like, like we're running out of time here, but do you have like a kind of a too long didn't read on the things that are on your mind of potential issues in the future? Yeah, totally. I, I think um, the different aspects are typically around uh, the ecosystem and the name base uh, specifically. So the things that are really important that I think uh, Handshake needs to succeed are uh, it needs to be super easy to uh, register these names, right? And that, that's effectively what we're trying to solve at Namebase, right? We have an on-ramp. We want to kind of prevent this uh, CryptoKitties type scenario where, you know, CryptoKitties is a phenomenal UX, are very celebrated for that. But, you know, for a long time, it's like you go onto the website and they're like, oh, you're ready to use CryptoKitties? Here are the 10 steps that you need to go and use your CryptoKitty. Uh, and that's just like not something that like normal developers are going to put up with. I think crypto developers, uh, you know, has kind of gotten used to going through normal more steps, and so there's a there's a bit more uh, pain tolerance. Uh, but really, for developer adoption, you kind of need something super smooth. Uh, so we aim to build that at uh, Namebase, and we have the BTC on ramp, and then we're launching a USC on ramp too. So then now you can buy your HNS with USC, and then go and register the name. Uh, but there's a lot of steps in that funnel that are in that flow that can be really really condensed. Uh, so like the next thing that I want to do is then now we can abstract away the entire process and just say, hey, you can just you know bid with your dollars or whatever currency you want, and we'll just handle everything with HNS behind the scene. So you just like put in you know putting your coins or putting whatever uh, in, and then you get a name out, and you just start using that immediately. So that's what I think about a lot when it comes to uh, name base. It's just making it super quick and fast. But then the other aspect is, okay, how do you not only de deploy Handshake websites, but also how do you resolve? the Handshake websites. So on the resolution front, we already talked about uh, NextDNS, right? Um, I think that is going to be very key for Handshake because you really need it to be super easy, just as easy to use Handshake as it is a normal DNS resolver. Um, and I think that uh, concern will be alleviated literally within like this week. Um, you know, obviously we'll have to see, but like typically with these things, like I just want, I just want it to be live and functional before I kind of am, you know, resting on it. Uh, and then the other aspect is uh, deploying Handshake websites. Um, and you know, there's something really exciting happening there, which is uh, Zite.co. They created uh, Next.js, which is like a very popular JavaScript framework. It's used by Hulu, Twitch, Netflix, uh, Tencent, I think. Um, it's very, very popular. And it's uh, Zite made now to SH, which is basically, this is like a lot of jargon, but it's like one of the best uh, website deployment tools uh, on the market right now. You can just like deploy a website instantly. And they're going to support Handshake websites. Uh, so when when they do that, and that, that should literally be within uh, the next few weeks, when they do that now, anyone who wants to create a Handshake site can just literally just go and deploy their normal Handshake website using the best of breed deployment solution that's on the market. And now you literally just have like a Handshake site live and you just go and point your friends to it. Um, and, and so that's, that is the other piece that is, uh, you know, my main concern is like, okay, are we going to be able to get the, the functionality uh, easy enough such that normal developers are using this? Um, you know, the, the really key experience that I am uh, looking for is uh, there's a really good Chris Dixon article talking about, uh, you know, what developers are playing around with on their weekends uh, ends up being like what the entire world uses, you know, 10 years later. Uh, and, I, and I think we're going to see the same thing with Handshake, which is, you know, if Handshake is easy enough to use, you're going to see developers playing around with it on the weekend. At the very least, you'll see people just getting their blog, right? Developers love rewriting their blogs and whatever the new technology is. <laughs> At the very least, they'll just get their blog and they'll get like their, I don't know, they'll, they'll get their like GitHub handle right, on Handshake, I'm T-Rock, I'll get uh, T-Rock on uh, Handshake, and I'll just like, create a little website on it, blog.trock or whatever. Um, and that's that's the next piece that I think is really important, because from there, 
then developers will just go and tell their friends. And you have the word of mouth spread. Uh, and for, for those little side projects, those little websites, they kind of seem like toys, but it's really important because one, the developers are really the influencers of, of all technology spread. Uh, but also, you know, for a side project, you don't need Google to be able to resolve that name, right? You can just tell your friends, hey, I made this project on the weekend, like check it out. And, you know, they, they uh, have a good reason to do that because one, they can check out your side project. Two, they get good access to a private DNS resolver that's like not spying on your data, not monetizing it like the ISPs and these other companies might be doing. So uh, that is what I'm really looking forward to, but I, I, I need to see that uh, realize itself and be concrete uh, before I really start feeling safe about handshake. So that's, those are the main things that are the areas that I focus on. It's a good summary of kind of where we're at, what's up next. Uh, let's finish up with like telling people how to get in touch with you or learn more. Yeah, totally. Uh, I'm active on Twitter, TSNR, uh, Namebase HQ as well. That's probably a better one to follow. Uh, we have a very active Discord, uh, which I've been really happy about. Uh, a lot of the community members are super helpful there. Uh, they're ready, uh, you know, building sites on it, it, which is kind of weird because, like, again, it's like you have to run a name server, which is kind of it's like very obscure, but like people are kind of going through the pain right now. Uh, and then obviously you can just sign up at namebase.io. Uh, and that's a very, uh, you know, th that's that's probably the easiest way right now to go and get started on Handshake. You can just go and buy uh, HNS and start registering the names. Uh, and that'll obviously get even better uh, and easier to use uh, over time. And the airdrop is, did you mention that? Like, yeah, uh, you go to namebase.io slash airdrop. And then you literally get like $800 of free money. Free money, guys. Assuming. Go You're a good enough developer <laughs> or popular yeah, enough yeah, developer. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Not everyone, not everyone gets it. So I'm glad that you, uh, Corey, you got it. That's great. I'm popular. <laughs> I did like one project. I got a bunch of stars. That's pretty much what happened. <laughs> All right, guys. Uh, that was awesome. Thanks for coming on the show. Uh, I look forward to seeing how this grows. And um, I wish you all the luck, man. Totally. Thank you so much for having me on the show. This is great.